Hello, my name is Jen Hickey. Welcome to the WEN podcast, a series of conversations with people as they share their WEN moments. Recognizing these times can change our destiny, help us to stop hiding behind the past or clinging to a future that may or may not happen. This podcast is about recognizing the power of the WEN moments. Hello and welcome back to the second series of the WEN podcast. This series is all about wellness and I'm really excited to get going. We are kicking off the series with the wonderful dietitian Aveen Bannon. She is the founder of the Dublin Nutrition Centre and is currently considered one of the country's top dietitians with over 20 years experience. In the first episode with Aveen, we are talking about plant-based eating and the flexitarian diet. We discuss everything you need to know about fruit, vegetables and vegetable proteins and what's happening if you're not eating enough. You can find Aveen at dnc.ie or on Instagram at Dublin Nutrition Centre. Enjoy. Aveen, welcome to the WEN podcast. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule. And I know you're really busy, even though we are in lockdown at the moment. Um, So you are founder of the Dublin Nutrition Centre. So I suppose before we get stuck in here, um, are you open as normal or running a normal clinic at the moment? Effectively, yes. We are still open each day to see the more vulnerable patients or patients who need to be seen kind of one-on-one. So I work predominantly with, say, eating disorders, so I need to check on weights or different things like that. And then people who don't need to be physically seen, we're seeing via Zoom. So we're kind of doing both. Actually, if anything, we've been able to expand during the lockdown because Zoom has opened up a new pathway for us. So we're kind of where there's kind of two dietitians working all the time now between seeing people and on Zoom. Um, and then it depends on the individual. Some people just don't like Zoom. They want to be seen in person. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. So it just depends. Yeah. yeah. No, it's been amazing, hasn't it? This whole new world. It's a very new world. And it's, I mean, we have patients now. I had one recently from Istanbul. You know, wow. like his, he's Irish living over there. But he was like, wow, now I can do this. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of opened a whole new world. It really has. Excellent. Okay. Yeah. So we are um, getting together to uh, record a, 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 about three different podcasts and we're going to obviously split them up and um, put them out at various different times. So let's kick off with uh, the first one and it is on kind of plant-based eating. Mm-hmm. And I suppose we hear all the time that, you know, we should be eating more fruit and veg. Um, you know, it seems that we're not getting enough. Um, so Let's thinking about your skin, perhaps. Is it true to say that if we eat more fruit and veg, that your skin is going to be uh, glowing and beautiful after it? Or is that yeah, a myth? I can't, I, can't, I can't make a guarantee, but it definitely helps. And predominantly, if you look at fruit and vegetables, I mean, we talked about years ago, it was five a day, then six, now it's seven a day. They're minimum, they're targets, so seven or more a day. So we're always trying to really kind of emphasize more color in the diet. And the more colorful the fruit or vegetable, a really good rule of thumb is the more nutrients it has. So when it comes to skin, like we know vitamin A is really, really good for your skin. So fruits and vegetables that are particularly strong in kind of a red or an orange color will be particularly high in vitamin A. Okay. And then they're really good for your skin. Um, we know vitamin C is really good for kind of even wound healing. Okay, so it works in synergy with zinc and all fruits and vegetables are high in vitamin C. And then we have other thing, kind of compounds in fruits and vegetables called phytochemicals. Mm-hmm. And a phytochemical is basically a little plant compound naturally present in food that helps them when they're growing. But it also helps us when we ingest them. And that all helps inform kind of a support our immune system, our digestive health, 
and gives you vitamins and minerals. So in terms of, if we look at all of it, you can't even say it's just the vitamins. It's about helping your gut health. It's about, you know, the more also the more fruit and vegetables we have, the more fiber in our diet. So we know the higher fiber intake, the lower sugar. So there's loads Crikey. of kind of knock-on effects as to why it should hopefully give us glowing skin. <laughs> <laughs> but what you're saying is that if we up our fruit and vegetables, our skin will be... Will benefit. It will benefit. It will thank us. And even think of, you know, a simple fact, fruit and vegetables actually have quite a high water content, so they're hydrating too. So there's so many little factors to look at as to why it helps. And that's why we'd never pick on one particular one. You know, I'd never say that, you know, X vegetable is really, really good for your skin because they all are and they all have different benefits. And really... Sometimes you hear those targets of seven a day or more, like the Japanese. God, it seems can like a huge a amount. A yeah. Yeah. But if you just kind of break it down, kind of always simplify it and go, if I have color at every meal, if I try and get, you know, some form of color at each meal, I'm probably going to get closer to five or six servings in the day. OK. And then if I have some color at one snack, you're getting up there. Okay. So, so to color. Okay, so let's just be really basic about yeah. this. You're talking obviously, say blueberries. And um, what's the difference? What are the different colors giving us in our diet? Yeah, so, like I do, like I do this with the kids. I, I do, I do a rainbow chart with them to explain the different benefits. So, like green is really high in folate. Um, so, what's that good for? So, folate when we ingest it, we convert it to folic acid. Okay. So it's really good for any women of kind of, you know, fertile, kind of fertile, I can't speak, <laughs> any women of um, pregnancy age or like a kind of uh, fertility, but it's also really important for heart health. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. So we do encourage people to have something green every day. Um, orange kind of colors are really high in vitamin A. That's really good for immune support, really good for skin. The red ones are high in kind of compounds called lycopenes. They're phytochemicals. They can actually help reduce certain cancers. Wow. Purple ones tend to be very high in things called proanthrocyanins, and they help kind of promote good health. Don't white are good too, like cauliflower, different things, garlic, potatoes. Like garlic contains a compound called allicin. So, so garlic is a vegetable, is it? Yeah, it comes into that kind of family. So all of those... All the colors have different benefits, okay? And we kind of don't even kind of simplify it into saying how one is the best. The sure. variety is key, which is why we encourage kids to try and eat a rainbow, mm. have as many different colors as possible. Crikey. So, I mean, now I'm sitting here as a mum of three going, okay, <laughs> yeah. So, you know, my kids will eat carrots. Mm. They will eat, you know, broccoli out of force. Yeah. You know, nobody seems to like, well, I quite like broccoli, but... I don't think I ate broccoli till I was about 25, yeah. so I'm okay with that. Well, what do you do, I mean, with kids? Like, fair well, enough as an adult, like, I know, you know, what you're saying to me, and I'll now apply it. Yeah. Uh, absolutely. But if I go home now and start putting beetroot in front of my kids, even though I think it's nice, they'll mm. be looking at me like a five heads. So how can we incorporate more? Because, you know, all the colours of the rainbow, they're still kind of, you know, cauliflower. Yeah, I know. You kind of have to do something to cauliflower, in fairness, to make it palatable. But that's okay. But that's the thing. It is okay to add taste or, you know, flavor or something to it. But with kids, I say is, um, like what I would have done with mine kind of growing up was I would never have called the fruit or vegetable the name. I would just go on by color. Oh. So, like, they knew from, like, when lunchboxes, they have to have two colors in their lunchbox. And I would say, which colors do you want today? Oh, God, I love that. So we would always just do it by colour and they'd know at dinner time. Can't do that with my 22 year old yeah. now. She'd be well, looking at me know. like, I'll try. <laughs> you could try it. What colours but, do you want? Uh, but I find my toughest one is my youngest, too. Like, oldest say, I don't eat green. <laughs> and if she okay. can pick at any green and anything. But I do, like, I've always done it by colours. So just to get them into the concept of it. But if you have a kid who doesn't like vegetables, because let's face it, you know, most mm. kids don't. I mean, there's the odd few who love them. Always put it on the plate. Okay. The one thing you never do is take it off the plate. The minute you take it off the plate, you're never getting it back on. 
So keep it in their eye line. And if you put broccoli on someone's plate after 10 or 12 times, they'll try some. Okay. Or you might find you have to add something to it, a flavor to it for Mm. them to have it. So is it okay then to, so like I'll steam my veg or, you know, I'll roast it. Mm -hmm. Um, And I am wondering if I was to roast it, stir fry it or cook it in in a different way other than the kind of really boring steaming. um, What happens to the nutrients then? Are they yeah. destroyed? Well, only you see only a small amount. So only water soluble vitamins are. So the water soluble vitamins are your B vitamins and vitamin C, and they're really sensitive. So they get lost into the water, or they can even be destroyed by sun or different things like that. You know, by light daylight. But the fat soluble vitamins don't get destroyed. Okay. The fiber doesn't get destroyed. The phytochemicals doesn't get destroyed either. So there's still a lot of benefit to it, and most kids will like fruit. So if they're getting their fresh fruit, they're probably doing okay with their vitamin C and those vitamins. And then if you have to kind of disguise the veg a bit more, that's okay. Okay. You know, it's okay. So, you know, with vegetables, I thought we're kind of programmed to think of vitamins. And then we think, oh, I have to maximize keeping the vitamins. But actually, in practical terms, we get our vitamins in quite a small amount. Okay. Of fruit or vegetables. It's the fiber, the phytochemicals, it's all the other compounds we want to get. And that is obviously what we're not consuming enough of then, fiber. Fiber is the forgotten nutrient. Right. Let's talk about that for a few minutes then. So I like to call it nature's sweeping brush. (laughs) Very good. So it's one of those things, I probably stole that from somebody else actually, but anyway. (laughs) But it's one of those things that we don't absorb it, there's no calories. But what fiber does in the gut is soluble fiber kind of slows down the transit time in the gut. So it kind of causes the food to go through a wee bit slower. So we have more opportunity to absorb the nutrients we need to absorb, but also to get the byproducts we want to get rid of to cling to it. And insoluble fiber gives a bulk. Mm. Okay, So you want a nice balance of both. And that's how we, our body, you know, people talk about detox. Okay, that's a real term that just causes chills down a dietitian's spine. (laughs) Okay, we don't do detox our bodies naturally can do that. So like that's how we excrete byproducts from metabolism that we need to get rid of. But fiber helps us kind of get a better kind of it keeps us fuller for longer. Okay. You know, it helps kind of give a get keep us that three, four hours to our next meal or snack, but it also gives the body time to absorb the nutrients that it needs to absorb. So it's a really, really beneficial thing. And that's the thing is like we want, so up until the age of 18, your fiber requirements are your age plus five grams. So like a 10 year old needs 15 grams. Mm -hmm. But as an adult, then it's 25 or more. And we're really like, it could be up to 35 grams. That would be great. So if you think it is an, an average serving of fruit or vegetables, on average, some will be a little bit more or less will give you about three, four grams of fiber. So if you get your six, seven a day, you're going to get your fiber requirements that you need. And then hopefully a few more kind of bits of fiber from your whole grains or other sources. So what's going on if you're not getting that? Is this constipation? Is it? Well, the simple factor is, if you really look at it, is if you don't get enough fiber, you don't tend to feel as full. You'll tend to end up eating other foods to fill you up, which are probably less healthy. Okay. So that's how we know. Like, there's lots of research to show that those who have more than 25 grams of fiber a day in their diet are leaner, okay? We know that it's like a, like a scale, like a, I'm trying to think of weighing scales. Like, you mm-hmm. know, the more fiber somebody has, the lower their sugar intake. Or the higher their someone's sugar intake, the lower their fiber intake. So it kind of, if your diet's low in fiber, you tend to have a less balanced diet overall because you end up eating more of the foods that we probably don't need. Yeah. You know, it kind of helps the balancing act. Mm. So I'm just thinking, I'm thinking as you're speaking here about my kids. So particularly my youngest, 
And I mean, in fairness, he will eat vegetables. You know, I mean, he's not eating all the colors of the rainbow, but he will eat veg and I'll make smoothies and all that kind of thing. So I'm thinking for the the child that might be a little bit fussier and, and won't sit down and eating. And it, th- thinking about fruit and say raw veg, mm. um, is there a lot of sugar in the fruit? Should we be giving them tons and tons of fruit? Oh, this is such a common one. Yeah. So the fructose. So, I mean, the we kind of did want people to reduce overall sugar content in their diets because our sugar intakes were high. And the World Health Organization would have said, you know, try and get it below 10% of your, your calorie intake. Mm-hmm. They very specifically in that said they were not including lactose or fructose naturally present in fruit. Okay. So when we talk about fruit... Like fruit will also give you fiber, phytochemicals, nutrients, vitamins, minerals, all those things. So for argument's sake, say there's 10 grams of of natural sugars in an apple and there's 10 grams of sugar in two biscuits. You can't compare them because Mm. one is giving you so much nutrition as well. So we don't for if someone's trying to reduce their sugar intake, the last thing you want them to do is reduce their fruit. Okay. so the times you might reduce somebody's fruit intake is if. You know, if they do need to lose weight and their fruit is very, very high or if they have maybe, you know, type two diabetes or even type one or anything like that, if we're managing their sugars for that reason, we might play around with it and maybe reduce it down to two or three servings a day. OK, but is there a difference with consuming, say, a smoothie Mm. or obviously I know when you're eating a whole fruit, you're getting the fiber. And, uh, yeah. But say you put the, the whole fruit into a smoothie. So I'm thinking, you know, m- maybe they won't eat spinach but maybe i could you know could that be thrown into a smoothie would that be the same as raw though like not cooked what happens there yeah yeah that was fine because basically it's always best to have the whole food okay but then like plan b is a smoothie and like plan c is a juice because you've lost the fiber by the time you get to a juice but when i with the with the smoothie i would say to people is try and kind of you know yeah get the the spinach and bits in there but But is raw spinach okay to throw in a smoothie it it is like technically say kale I wouldn't kale okay. I would I wouldn't have raw kale in a smoothie I would have kale cooked more so but spinach you can do and is that digestion is it um well it's just the iron really the the iron like uh, why I would sneak spinach in which I do a lot yeah yeah <laughs> would be for iron you know trying okay. to get the iron in there I'm not thinking about anything to do with vitamins or fiber or anything I'm actually thinking about a way of sneaking an iron and okay. it's an opportunity to sneak it in so I'm just thinking to things I've heard in the past about oh you raw spinach and you don't absorb this and you don't absorb that and it prohibits this and it prohibits that and look it's a minefield it is a minefield and you see you know you can overcomplicate things a little bit so if we look at a plant-based diet so for example if we look at somebody whose diet is all based on plants and plant proteins Mm -hmm. and they have a really really high fiber intake there are fibers called phytates that can inhibit the absorption of like say iron or calcium or certain nutrients so when people talk about iron for example you know, if you get iron from red meat, you absorb about 80%. You're going to 85% of that iron is absorbable to us. Mm-hmm. Whereas in the plant source, it might be closer to 15, 20%. Oh, okay. So it's just, we don't get as much from it, but it's still a, a viable source. Okay. So, so kind of I suppose then if we shift for a few moments then into like a vegetarian or mm. a vegan diet, it's in, in extremely important that you are balancing everything. Exactly. So if you're like a meat eater, okay, and you get like lean red meat in your diet three times a week, you probably are going to get enough dietary iron from that. Whereas if you are a vegan or a vegetarian and you're more plant-based, you would need to have an iron-rich food in your diet every day to get enough iron. So what does that look like? So that could be... 
for example, spinach, okay, or okay. any green vegetable. I don't want to give, you know, give spinach too much airtime. <laughs> all green vegetables are good. <laughs> but yeah. um, it could be a green vegetable. It can be a fortified breakfast cereal. It can be, you know, your fortified meat alternatives like corn, things like that. And is that okay now? The corn products Absolutely. is interesting. Yeah, and it's an interesting one because I get this a lot. Mm. Um, it can be also beans, pulses, like iron from other sources. But I find with, depending on the age of my plant-based patient, okay, so I am, say if they're uh, 100% vegan, um, if they're in their teens in particular, I'm really concerned about their iron, okay? So mm. I will definitely encourage them to have some fortified iron foods to help get enough in their diet. If they're older and their iron's okay and they're really good at taking beans and pulses and their iron levels are okay, you don't have to promote it as much. But for example, corn, like I find corn very beneficial with, again, having three kids like yourself. Mm. If you're doing a plant-based meal one night, you know, it's a very handy one to use for making like a bolognese or a chili or something like that because the kids don't really notice that much of a difference mm. to what they're not used to, but it's kind of not over-relying on it. And is there iron in corn? There is. Oh, okay. Corn is fortified with iron, yeah. Okay, because yeah. I suppose if, if you switch, if you decide for whatever reason to become vegetarian, vegan, mm. um, you know, all of a sudden you could be, I mean, you could be a very unhealthy vegan, unhealthy vegetarian, like, let's yeah. face it. And as a dietitian, it's interesting because people often ask, they, they, they expect us to have an opinion on diets about whether you should or shouldn't do one. Or people will say to me, like, what's the best diet? I'm like, Crikey. I'm like whatever suits you and then I'll help you make it balanced. <laughs> but mm. I'm not going to tell somebody what they should or shouldn't eat. It's more to help them make that balanced. So absolutely. I mean, I'd say vegan diets must be one of the biggest growing diets in the last couple of years. You know, we knew the last numbers we have are from 2018 when we could see a really big increase in kind of plant-based diets. Mm. And definitely in the last year, it's increased even further. Just from And what's that from, do you think? I think there's two. I think it's health. Mm. I think it's environmental factors. Mm -hmm. um, I think environment is definitely... It's the first time, I suppose, if you call it a diet trend, if you want to call it that way has environmental influences as well as health influences. And I think it's one that we all need to take a degree of it, whether we become a bit more flexitarian or we go vegetarian or vegan or just incorporate like, you know, one meat free night a week, whatever mm -hmm. works for you. Mm. But we do need to kind of try and embrace more. Do you think we're eating more meat? Or sorry, do you think we're eating too much meat? We were. Okay. We definitely were. We were very reliant. I mean, if you think of how many Irish families relied on kind of, you know, chicken and beef every night and they might have fish once a week i mean we literally meat would be you know lunch and dinner and then at the weekends breakfast so we were a very meat oriented kind of culture i suppose and yeah. i think we've opened our eyes a wee bit to go actually were we eating too much mm. or the other side of it is i would have noted that people would have too big a portion of their meat Yes. You know, that's the main thing. Like it would take up half their plate. Or, yeah, I know. think that in general for everything, though. I mean, yeah. the portions are massive. Portions, I think, you know, and that's where, again, like I'm always a dive saying, bring it back to basics. If you have the portions right and you have a bit of color at every meal and you have a bit of protein at each meal, you know, you can make it quite simple to have a mm. healthy diet. But if we think of your stomach as the size of your own fist, okay, so that's the size of all of our stomachs is your own. So it's personal, whether you're age of four, 10, Mm -hmm. 50 whatever age you are that's the size of your stomach and it can expand on average up to four times its own size i'm now measuring everything i know like visually like, so it's a really good idea to look at your dinner plate and go okay is it more than four fistfuls and Generally if it is, it is it's probably a wee bit too much okay and then you look at it and go okay is my plate kind of divided into three that a third of it is my color a third is my carbohydrate and a third is my protein then I'm getting the balance right. But the key thing is, is the fist, like it's kind of roughly about four fistfuls. 
Yeah. So what do you see as a dietitian as probably one of the biggest kind of mistakes people are making if they're choosing to become a vegetarian or vegan and, and they're just launching themselves? Is it, is it that they're not researching enough? Oh, I have a really long list here. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, so I would, there's a lot, uh, I would say a lot of it is influenced probably from social media, mm. okay, where um, information overload, uh, people with the best of intentions giving opinions without knowledge and kind of pitching foods as good or bad. So, um, like, let's take milk for an example, okay? So if you choose not to have cow's milk, that's absolutely fine. Really, you want to make sure you're getting an alternative that is as nutritionally complete as milk. Mm. Okay, so you want to look at protein. So soya milk will have as much protein as cow's milk, but your almond, oat, all those milks have no protein. Right. Okay, so you really have to look at that. And we get better absorption of calcium when it's combined with protein. So therefore, you know, you'll get better absorption of the calcium in the soya milk because it's better protein as opposed to the other milks. Okay, you look at cow's milk, cow's milk and white fish are two main sources of iodine in the Irish diet and people iodine not not on their radar 100% not okay so it's really important for thyroid function hormone health and fertility Mm -hmm. so if you know I'm I worry about all the teenage girls out there embracing the their oat milk almond milk kind of coffees lattes whatever they're having um thinking that they're I mean let's face it most of them are doing it because it's lower calories but some are doing it from they think it's a healthier choice and they're missing out on some of these key nutrients so I would say is to to do it you need to go gradual you can't go overnight deciding to do like I'm going to do veganary that kind of idea mm-hmm. and then suddenly you know you have a steak you have enough one night the next night you're like I'm fully plant-based because your digestion won't take it and you're not going to be able to, to it's, it's, it's overwhelming to try and do it all together so you go very gradually so for example dairy is one thing that we say okay we've no problem obviously if somebody doesn't want to have dairy in their diet but we mm-hmm. want to make sure they're really looking at calcium okay and looking at things like iodine and other sources um, when it so if you're if you're low on iodine because that's something mm-hmm. very I didn't know about that until mm-hmm. I actually met you mm-hmm. so if somebody's lacking in iodine how would they be feeling I mean how can you tell we even we don't really know like we're see we would work an awful lot more now with people with fertility issues and we'll see and you know there are things we look out for in the diet that we kind of go okay your like your intake is low so we might look is it like a build-up effect so if you haven't been yeah, taking eating dairy for 10 years absolutely it can be just like a knock-on effect like that that we look at so when we look at fertility for example it's the first thing we kind of there's certain things little checklists that we'll go through to ensure different nutrients that people are getting and that would be one of them right um the other thing is iron like people trying to make sure they're getting enough dietary iron which we touched on so you're looking at your plant-based sources but not pushing away um kind of fortified foods because it's I think some people feel like if they go plant-based, they almost they can't have anything processed. Right. Or processed is the big evil, whereas actually okay. sometimes a food, a processed food can be okay. You know, we process foods all the time. If I get a raw carrot, peel it and cook it, I've processed it. Sure. So, you know, it's not necessarily a bad thing and it's just about getting, you know, it, it's all kind of, there's a range, I suppose. So not mm. kind of running away from anything that might be fortified. Protein is another factor that I'd encourage that, the people make sure you do like foods like tofu tempeh seitan you know all those different kind of um low fiber protein foods because then usually for a really healthy vegan diet one of your meals i would say have a non-fiber source of protein okay so what does that mean so you might have say you have beans and pulses at at lunchtime then Mm -hmm. in the evening time have a tofu or a tempeh or a seitan or something like that so 
you're not having too much fiber and then having a knock-on effect of potentially inhibiting the absorption of some vitamins or minerals. Crikey, okay. gosh, it's confusing, isn't it? Well, it is. That's why you just need a little bit of help and guidance with this sometimes, and mm. particularly for teens, because we worry that with kids, the main reason we might concern ourselves with a kid going fully plant-based will be because it's higher in fiber, it can be lower in calories. Right. And it's just making, it's just getting the balance right. You know what I mean? So I will meet some people come into me who just want help and fine-tuning it. And they're really good at their nut butters and they're, you know, they're really quite educated in it and they just want to make sure they're doing it right. Mm. And you can just help them do What's that. What's your thoughts on nut butters? Um, you know what? I'll have to confess, I don't like them. <gasps> I really want to because I feel oh like I God. should. I adore. Now, no, I eat way too many of them. Does. My eldest loves it. But um, I feel like I'm going to persevere with that one and try mm. and really like, you know, mature myself <laughs> to like <laughs> nut butter. Um, but nut butters, yeah. If, if you can good get source th- of protein? Not necessarily a good source of protein, actually. Like an right. okay source, but great source of vitamin E and your monounsaturated fats and a really good source of calories, particularly, again, if you're more plant-based and we need to look at calories from that point of view. So like a more plant-based diet can tend to be a little bit lower in fat. So we need fats coming from our nuts, our seeds, or, you know, different sources like that to get the fats up. Mm. And then I suppose if you're not eating meat, then B12 is an issue? B12 is another big one. So our, our kind of we go through our checklist, it's like calcium, B12, protein, iron, and omega-3. So B12, to be honest with you, if you're a vegetarian, it tends to be fine because you probably are having maybe some dairy in your diet, okay? okay. So it's not an issue. It's only in vegans that we would maybe suggest a vitamin supplement with interesting it. yeah so you can get like your nutritional yeast is a great way of getting fortified b12 and you can mm-hmm. get some fortified in your milk some different ways but really it depends on the individual but i find most are better off taking a b12 supplement just to help give them enough yeah and then with omega-3 we look at walnuts and chia seeds are really good so if you have for example six walnut halves every day that's enough omega-3 for the that's week. enough yeah for the week yeah if you have them every day Oh, right. Wow. Yeah. Gosh, that's... Yeah. So you can, you, yeah, can yeah. you know, it's just, it can be done. Yes. But as you say at the beginning, it can... Well, be how are you supposed to know, really, I suppose? Unless yeah, you I would say, well, resources are improving. Mm. You know, 10 years ago, someone come into me on a vegan diet. I mean, you couldn't get a vegan meal anywhere. You know, yeah. we're much more aware of it. But I suppose it's that fine line between if you're following the diet that if you, do, you go as far as you want to go and as you feel comfortable going. Mm -hmm. Because plant-based doesn't mean vegan. Plant-based means I'm trying to include more plant-based foods in my diet. Yeah. And as I say, whether that's one night a week, two nights a week, a vegetarian, a pescatarian with more plant-based foods. Crikey, there's so many different areas. So anything, you know, you make it suit you and what works for your family as well. Okay, so what's your thoughts then, say, on a teenager? Um, Not going to mention any names, but say a teenager that is not really taking any dairy products, should they supplement with calcium? Um, yeah, if they're, if it's to see if they'll take soya. Okay, and if, the, and if the answer is no. You see, if the answer is no, then you have to ask yourself, why are they not taking it? They could be lactose intolerant. If they're lactose intolerant. So I have one who's lactose intolerant, okay. and she takes lacto-free milk. Okay. Okay. So we use lacto-free milk because I, I personally, for her at her age, want her to get all the nutrients. Um, but how much of that should she be drinking to get enough? So when we're thinking of calcium mm. and, and all the benefits, obviously yeah. bones and all of that, and I know we're going to do another mm. separate podcast on osteoporosis, but, and it is a concern. Yeah. I, I get concerned about that. Is, is it like, is one glass enough? So for up until the age of about 18, you need five servings a day of calcium rich food. So that can come from 
for example, it could be lactose free milk if it's a lactose intolerance on a breakfast cereal. You know, a Greek yogurt is naturally lower in lactose. Okay, mm -hmm. and then you know you might have a hot chocolate, for example. Okay, you know, on a, something like or a, a coffee, depending on their age or what what what, what sure. trend. Did, you, did you say five servings of five servings up to the age of eighteen? Because your bone formation doesn't really finish until about the age of 18. 95% of our bone formation takes place by then. Crikey. And then you see once you get into adulthood, we need three servings a day because we lose, it's an it's active tissue. We lose mm. bone every day, so you replenish it then on a daily basis. But up until the finishing of growth phase, we need more. Okay. So it so, is important. Okay, so if they're not taking any of that, is because uh, I, I know that I've heard before that calcium isn't something that you like to prescribe as a supplement. Well, it's one year... You can take, you know, you can get over the counter ones, okay? Because and they're okay. They're fine to give to complement the diet. So if you're having a be it a lactose free option, if they're mm -hmm. lactose intolerant, or they're going for a soy milk option, they may. And then tin to fit, like a tin of fish, will give you as much calcium as a glass of milk. Tofu has kind of got calcium in it. But if they're really, really fussy and they won't eat any of that either. Yeah. So um, <laughs> what what I'm just not mentioning any names in particular in mm. our own household, but we have lacto free milk which usually is a hot chocolate every day and on cereal and then um, a calcium supplement okay. of like half dose calcium supplement every day. Oh, OK. Yeah, because yeah. I mean, like I didn't realize now that's a lot. Five servings. Mm, I'm thinking back to all the kids and they were going up. And, and you see, because we get we are so caught in a culture now of being told what everything is wrong with our diets. <laughs> So where people were like, I've had people who don't give their children cereals because they're afraid of sugar. But then you pointed there are very good low sugar cereals available that are fortified. Um, people not giving their kids yogurts for fear of sugar. People restricting fruit for fear of sugar. You know, all of these things that people take away. And if you think about it, always think back to the, you'll remember this because similar vintage to myself, but in the <laughs> 19 kind of 90s, how remember fat was a big evil. Yes. And everything was low fat and it was like fat free biscuits, low fat spread, fat free everything. And we went hell for leather into it. And we're doing the exact same thing now with sugar. You know, we're going Scary. so far into it that we need to balance it out a little bit, you know, yeah. that not obviously having lots of it, but there's a, there's a middle, it's a, finding that gray area. Yeah, it's, you're, you're so right. I, I remember that. I remember my mother as well. Yeah, kind go of ahead, biscuits. Everything's low. It's slim fast. Oh, yeah. I and like, no, I remember like no butter in your toast, just marmalade. No. <laughs> <laughs> Loads of sugar, but none yeah. of that butter. Yeah, yeah. gosh. Yeah. So uh, well, what's your thoughts as well on then the, the protein shakes and all that kind of thing? If it, Because I'm just thinking, you know, people that possibly aren't eating meat or are they getting enough protein in, in the vegetables that they're eating? Yeah, so when you have to, so when we talk about plant-based, we have to kind of almost differentiate into two kind of categories because plant-based can obviously include your fruit and vegetables, which aren't protein-based, but they're goodness, fiber, vitamins, minerals. And then we want to look at our protein-based foods, which will be beans and pulses. Now, just to put into perspective, like uh, an 80 grams of lentils, for example, which would be like an average serving, mm -hmm. will give you roughly about six grams of protein. Okay. Whereas, you know, 100 grams of tofu, which would be an average serving, will give you about 20 grams of protein. Big so difference. There's a big difference. So you really want to make sure that the plant proteins are there, which will be the tofu, tempeh, seitan, like even miso. Um, mm. What about like beans on corn. toast from a tin? Fine. You know, mm. if you're having that for lunch, fine. But then make sure you're having a higher protein source than at your main meal. Okay. Yeah. 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 Gosh, it's a it's a big uh, balancing act, really, isn't it? Yeah. I suppose. I suppose that the the bottom line is you just it's hard to do it if you're just doing it with beans alone. 
But then coming down to back to the protein kind of powders or shakes or things like that, you know, if you're having a busy week and you don't have time, it's not in the house, yeah, add a scoop of protein powder to your bean curry mm. and you'll bring the protein up that way. You can make it work that way. Um, or, you know, if you want to have a protein shake, there's nothing wrong with them. You shouldn't have to necessarily rely on them, but at the same time, they can be very handy to complement your diet if, if that works for you. Yeah, and there's a certain amount of vitamins and amino acids in them as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. It's like protein bars. I mean, if I literally, it's like, if I had a penny for every time someone said they're full of sugar, I literally would have lots of pennies. <laughs> there is not lots of sugar in protein bars. There's lots of protein in them and fiber. So, you know, there's this, again, perception that, that, that I know manufacturers are tricking people into <laughs> giving them something negative, whereas a lot of them are fine. Does it depend on the protein bar, though? Um, not really. I mean, very few protein bars would be full of sugar because really? they are predominantly high in protein. Mm. So, like, they're not, you know, you've got to, like, you can't, if you're putting loads of protein in, there's hardly that much sugar in it as well to make it manage you know what I mean it's trying to get the balance right yeah um but I would say again you don't want to rely on things like that but they can be handy yeah so gosh so how do we just get more vegetables in us then is this like I think really because I'm clearly not like I know and I would be pretty healthy I like I do you know eat quite a lot of veg but I don't Mm. think I'm eating over seven portions a day number one I think I'd be I'd be bloated, I'd be, you know. And that's why you do it slowly. You know what I mean? That's why you don't go hell for leather into it. Like I would say, I mean, ideally, like if I think of my own diet, like I tend to kind of have, like I would usually have some form of fruit every morning with my breakfast. And at lunchtime, there will be with it's, it's soup or a bit of salad or something with my lunch. And in the evening time, I do try and get now a good half plate of vegetables into my evening meal. Okay. And just while we're on that subject then, mm. frozen veg... Oh, yeah, fresh or frozen, whatever it takes. Okay. Both, I mean, and again, this is where people think, like, actually, some would argue frozen vegetables are as healthy as fresh, if not healthier. But mm. I mean, to be honest with you, they're both perfect. So we would, and actually, it's one thing that lockdowns and different things have taught me was like doing bigger shops, you know, to have stuff in the house. I have two drawers of frozen veg all the time in the house now of like green beans, peas, sweet corn, you know. And you know, spinach. all these kind of prepped stir fry packs all that I mean, just really handy yeah and like you're getting your fiber just remember all of those different formats will still have your fiber mm. and they work really well so yes definitely i actually nearly think our vegetable intake has improved because of frozen veg because it's just so handy and it doesn't yeah. take much time but if you have color at every meal you're probably going to get your five or six a day okay you know so you're kind of okay at that point and then if you can get some in as a snack or, you know, carrot and hummus or apple and peanut butter or something along those lines, mm-hmm. you'll, you'll bring it up a okay. little bit further. So what's your thoughts then on magnesium mm-hmm. and avocados? This just popped into my head. Mm. I do love an old avocado. Is it avocado a vegetable or a fruit? Uh, technically a fruit. Okay. Um, so um, avocados are great. They're really, really good. Vitamin E, monounsaturated fats. What's it called? Nature's butter? natural Yum. Butter, something like that okay um our portion sizes come into play there so technically a portion size is probably a quarter or maybe a third depending on the size <sighs> deep of the breathing avocado. here mm. yeah so a lot of us would tend to go a little wee bit overboard on the portion sizes okay. but a really good you know natural kind of food that they're really good fiber vitamin e and fat so they're very very good for you okay but they're a real food that people either love or hate like yeah they're a real it's one or the other there's no middle ground with those oh ones. i love it um and then magnesium is I'm all about magnesium mm. because it's one of the minerals that I think that we're probably going to hear more and more about as over the next coming years. You know, we've learned that even with calcium intake, the ratio of calcium to magnesium should be two to one for best absorption and for bone okay. health. 
um, magnesium, they call it like nature's tranquilizer, some people do, but it has so many functions in terms of helping digestive health, sleep, it can help, some people would feel with mood or anxiety. Um, it helps, it's involved in over 300 functions in the body. And a magnesium intakes were kind of um, developed on night back in the 1940s, 50s. You know, RDAs are developed in certain nutrients. Mm -hmm. And some would believe now, it's not kind of across the board yet, but some would believe there are, those recommendations are too low. Or that right. the magnesium in our, our farming and soils and stuff is less than what it was. So they would recommend, it was a, a conference I was at in Chicago two years ago, where they said that they recommended 2.5 milligrams per pound body weight. Jeez. And when you worked that out, you went, wow, a lot of people will not be getting enough. Um, and then you've got different formats of magnesium. You can get all into a whole big magnesium. So should fest. we be supplementing magnesium um, as an adult, say? Well, OK, so the greener the vegetable, the more magnesium there is in it. So the higher okay. the chlorophyll content, the greener the veg, the more magnesium. So if you really like your greens and if you have greens every day, you'll be getting magnesium. Okay. If you like, if you take dairy, you get magnesium. Mm hmm. Almonds are also a really good source of magnesium. So if your diet includes greens, dairy and almonds, you probably are OK. Um, the only two vitamins I have in the cupboard that I take are vitamin D and magnesium. Mm. Um, they're the only two that I would actually take. It was the first time I went to a conference and came out and went and bought myself some, some of the minerals that I was about. But they're the only two that I would tend to kind of routinely take. OK, um, I, I read this book. Mm. I can't remember the, the title, but it was clearly something to do with magnesium and the whole book was all about magnesium mm. it yeah. was the most fascinating read I found it so interesting but I, I mean, mean crikey nerd, so I love all that stuff yeah <laughs> so yeah 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 and I'm so like there are so many you know ways to be deficient in it though I mean it just affects everything it, it seems it does and I mean there's a lot of and you see the thing is with nutrition and science like we're all I mean as a dietitian we're very very much about evidence-based evidence-based and we always want to be sure like that we're not misleading the public because that's so important not to do that because that's what's happening in so many forums now and that's why we're careful and sometimes what we advise and go you know the, the, the recommendations aren't out there yet to say that we should be taking it every day or we need to increase it. But then I look at what I've researched to date and wonder, just have we not got that degree of research available to us yet to know what to do? Um, but it's definitely one that if you in any way aren't good on your greens or dairy, you know, I would be thinking about potentially a, a supplement. OK, gosh, it's a real minefield. And mm. um, I could sit here for hours talking about this. So where can people find you? Obviously, the Dublin Nutrition Centre has a website mm. um, and are there blogs and all that kind of thing up on yeah, this? So we're kind of we're, I'm learning about Inst Instagram. I'm getting there slowly. But um, we have the um, love hate relationship. Yeah, <laughs> it's like a full time job. Yeah, um, we have Instagram. I try to put a lot of stuff up on Instagram to help. For people, you know, for bits of not even things like magnesium. I've done one on magnesium before because it's where, you know, someone doesn't have to come and visit a dietitian to learn about it, but they're interested in it. And there's some, if you, on Instagram, if you look up, make sure if you follow a dietitian that there is RD behind her name. Okay. Because that means she's registered. Okay. So there's some really good RDs on Instagram that you'll find. I mean, Edible Evidence works with me here, Catherine. There's Orla Walsh. She's really good. Like she works with me here as well. Um, there's like there's so many really good dietitians, but they have, and they're younger, so they're better at the whole Insta thing. Yes. <laughs> they um they w they tend to put up very informative information, which is really good. Yeah. The INDI can be quite useful for people. The Irish Nutrition Dietetic Institute, in terms of having you know sheets of information, booklet kind of information. Yeah, yeah. But then otherwise, in terms, if you want to see a dietitian, it's trying to like look at. Obviously, we're here in the Dublin Nutrition Centre, but. 
there's dietitians around the country as well and we're very good at directing people to others to make you know someone local or who's the best fit for what they're interested in mm. because you know we all have our kind of niches of what we work in as yeah. such yeah yeah and we um we'd all have we have like a little group called steady the self-employed dietitians of ireland where we all share information together and send people to whoever works and suits for them okay all right listen thank you so much avi for taking Very the time welcome. cheers Guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, maybe you could share it and subscribe to the podcast and come and check us out at thewhenpodcast.com. Thank you so much.